Welcome to the Skill Welcome Stadium, the skill a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. This is Keith Williams with Skill Stadium, and today I have with me Fiona McDonald. Fiona is the founder of and director of Trades Women Australia, a nonprofit. And what they're dedicated to doing is gender equality. And their mission is really to assure that all girls and women have access to participate in the skilled trades, which we know is very underrepresented by women. And what makes Fiona unique is she studied the arts, but has actually worked in the skilled trades. And I believe this gives her a really good perspective on the work she does. So I want to thank Fiona for taking part in the Skill Stadium podcast. And I'm very happy to have her. Fiona's coming in. Can you uh, tell us where you're from? Victoria. Yeah, sure. I'm from Victoria in Australia. Yeah. Excellent. 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 It's very early in the morning there. So really appreciate her taking the time to participate in this. How have you been affected, obviously, by what's going on with COVID-19 in terms of how you've had to uh, go about doing business and functioning? Yeah, it's strange times. At the moment in Australia and each of our states, we all have different rules. But in Victoria, we still can only go visit people with five of us. We can't, no cafes, restaurants are open, everything's still closed. We go outside, it has to be for physical activity or I think that all changes in the next couple of weeks. Things will start opening up again. But for me personally and for our business, I've adapted really well. Um, a lot of our stuff we can do working from home, so that's been really lucky. We've just been dealing with it day by day, open communication with everyone, and making sure that we stay connected. Excellent, excellent. So want to just talk about your background. And one of the things I noticed was that you had worked in the automotive industry. And I'm wondering how this influenced you to become the force that you are in the uh, skill trades movement. Yeah, sure. So my trade like vehicle mechanics, absolutely loved my job, loved my trade, loved trade school, loved everything about it. But it was really hard and I wouldn't say it was easy and anyone who does a trade and especially being a woman in a trade would understand that there's still stigma and you still face barriers. And even for men and women, there's a huge culture with issue within trade sometimes and it can be tough. So I really wanted to make sure that it wasn't hard for anybody who was entering the industry. I wanted to make sure that careers were easily accessible and that women had the same opportunity that I did to have a go at something that was so amazing, so rewarding. So, yeah, I guess I was really lucky in fact that I started out my career as a mechanic. It's definitely helped me with what I do today. I, I have on the ground experience. I know what it's like. Um, and I can help guide our organization and our, our staff to understand what it is like to be in those shoes of being in a trade and also help select projects and activities that are going to be really beneficial to women in trades and employers and men in the trades as well. How have you seen it change? Because, you know, you worked in it, it was a few years ago, it seems like, but well, what changes have you seen? Wish I could say a lot. In Australia, across all trades, there's been less than 2% of women working in trades for decades, and it hasn't changed. And it's the same with automotive. It's been less than 1% of women, and it hasn't changed for a very, very, very long time. And we've seen 
you know, every now and then a couple extra women in one year will enroll into TAFE, but they'll drop off and, and they won't retain. And so that number will stay the same. And when those spikes do happen, it's usually associated to something that's happening on TV. Like in Australia, we have this show called The Block, which is a construction TV show. When that comes on TV, we see a couple more enrolments into carpentry and plumbing and building trades. And the same, we had a show called Neighbours here in Australia where Kylie Minogue was a motor mechanic. When that was on TV, we saw more women enrol into trades, but again, dropped off and it always remains less than 1%. What do you think the barriers are? Well, there's so many, Keith, so many. <laughs> um, I suppose, like, essentially a combination of three main barriers in my, my personal view. There's the lack of information and knowledge just at, at high school. So to understand how to get into the trade, what trade you can do, there's not much promotion around that to students, especially to young women. There's also the difficulty in finding and accessing the jobs. So the jobs aren't always posted or advertised. It's often word of mouth. Oh, my mate's looking for an apprentice. Do you know someone? So unless you're in that circle, you miss out. And that scales up to the bigger jobs who you know on each construction site that can get you in. So sometimes that can be difficult too. And then again, circling back around to that culture. Uh, really, it's, it is a male-dominated environment. But that's hard on men as much as it is for women. There's constantly that pressure that you have to be a tough guy to be on the side and work in this masculine culture where you really shouldn't have to put that on yourself and men shouldn't have to either. And in Australia, we have terrible statistics around suicide on construction sites. And we see two men per day dying on our construction site, really? which is terrible, absolutely terrible. And again, it circulates around to that culture and you can't be yourself and you you put out of your debt sometimes and it's just, yeah, really unfair and really hard for men and women. Wow. You, you know, you don't really hear about that. And I guess part of it is I'm, I'm in the United States. So, you know, that's not something that really surprised me what you were speaking on, on suicides and that and the culture, which leads me to another question. Do you think there is a big stigma for, in the United States, there is a bit of a stigma for people going into the skilled trades. And I think it's changing now, but do you find that there's a stigma in Australia, like more people are being pushed to go to college or is there a divide? Definitely. I think we all have a bit of a joke here in Australia. We're a little bit behind you guys over there. So we still have a big stigma around trades and it's definitely not the preferred pathway, which is unfortunate. But yeah, there's still this perception that trades, you won't have a rewarding career out of it. It's for people who don't do well at school to enter into which really, when you're in the trades, it's the complete opposite because it's so financially rewarding. You've got so many career opportunities. I mean, you can do your apprenticeship and go on to do so many other things and you don't have to spend a lot of money doing it as well. So, yes. yeah, it's definitely still a stigma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, and I like that the emphasis on you're not going into debt because in America, when you go to college, it's very expensive and the salaries are not really that much higher for a college graduate versus a skilled trades. And we have a shortage of workers. I'm sure you guys have seen this is that through this crisis, the essential workers have still been plugging away and, and working and that's people in the skilled trades. I imagine it's the same for where you are. Yeah. Yeah. We're very so, lucky. 
I'm curious, and I did see this on your website that, you know, you do offer mentorship because I think that that's really important. Can you speak on this in terms of like mentor, creating a mentorship program or, you know, I'm sure you already have one, it seems from the research I did on your site. Tell me how that works and how that's helping to get more women into the skilled trades. Yeah, our mentorship program, I've even mentored a few tradeswomen through it so I can talk to you easily about it. It's an informal mentorship program. There's a schedule that we introduce and we set up career goals or mentoring goals between the two of us. And then it's a check-in and making sure that we're working towards those goals. And sometimes the goals change. And the goals can be anything to do with skills, learning new skills or developing in your career, or they can even be personal goals like, I want to speak up and do a presentation at my work or I want to achieve this at work or, you know, get over this issue I'm having with my boss, like all different types of things. Um, so, yeah, we're really there to support the person do it themselves and that could be just shared experience of what we do, the knowledge we have and share between ourselves and our, in our workspace as well and we'd really guide that person to achieve those goals. So, very sh- rewarding. Excellent. Can you share how that has led in terms of retention? Because I would imagine part of the success of having women in the skilled trades is for them to stay there once they get there so that they feel like they belong and they're being welcomed. So I'm curious what you're seeing in terms of retention or what are some of the results you've seen as a result of that mentorship? We have really low retention numbers in Australia with apprenticeships anyway. It's more than 50% don't retain. When we do these programs, it's so important and there's so many around Australia, men and for women, but we do see women stay in the trade and sometimes we see even better that they progress into a leadership position or progress higher up within the business, which is something that we really want to see. Like we need women on, on tools, we need women in trades, but we need women in leadership as well to open the door and allow more women into the industry. I agree 100%. Can you tell us how does your program work? How do you exactly help women get into the skilled trades? Can you walk us through the process? We do a range of different things. We have our, our tradeswomen services, which include our mentoring. We advertise jobs and those are primarily our work. But we also do partnership work. So we partner with the Victorian government or um, another organization such as BHP or ACONA, Geotech, someone like that. And we'll help deliver a program. So those partnership programs can be very different. At the moment, we're mentoring a whole bunch of automotive workers and we're also building uh, materials and resources for those employees to use in their workplace to make it more accessible and retain more women in trades. Similar thing we're doing with a couple of other organisations at the moment where we're delivering training around unconscious and conscious bias and masculinity on the work site to help people understand what it is and how to change it. And really, at the end of the day, a happy work site is better for women, but it's also better for men. So that's something we're really striving to do through a lot of our programs. That makes sense. And, and so you're, you're really building these relationships with the companies and getting their buy-in so that they can kind of adjust their culture or make some changes to accommodate these women who are coming into their company, it seems like. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. So for us, it's just as important to work with the businesses to ensure that they have the tools and and the knowledge to be able to open up their doors for women and keep them there. I mean, I'm sure it's the same in America, just the little things like having access to a toilet, which is, believe it or not, something that doesn't often happen here in Australia. 
and especially on mining sites. And if you're working on a road crew, you can't, you don't have access to a toilet and wow. don't have access to a female toilet full stop. So that's something that comes up a lot. But yeah, infrastructure is really important, having the right policies and procedures in place and all that sort of stuff to support your workers as a whole, but especially women is really important. Seems like common sense to me, though. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Just to me, that just seems like seems like common sense. So uh, obviously, you've experienced where you have to make these companies aware of it. So that wow, that's fascinating. Do you have any advice that you want to give to young women who are wishing to enter the skill trades? Definitely, just do it. I mean, you've got what have you got to lose? You know, there's nothing you should. There's nothing that's going to come out of you giving it a shot if you don't give it a shot. What have you got to lose? I mean, I was scared and nervous when I started up my own trade. I had no knowledge. I didn't even know the difference between screwdrivers. Don't feel like you need to have the knowledge or you need to already have the understanding. That's what the apprenticeship is there for, to teach you all of that. So give it a go. If you don't like it, that's okay. But you will never know unless you give it a shot. I agree. I agree. I think in life, people overthink things sometimes and... You'll never know what something is like till you do it. And you don't want to have regrets in life. So I believe this is a low risk because they're providing an apprenticeship. So they're going to pay you as you're learning. So there's not a huge risk in entering. And furthermore, I don't know if you agree with me, but if you're in a a field that's in demand, you tend to get paid more and they tend to want to keep you if they're having a hard time finding people. Even in the States, I've seen some companies where they're making a conscious effort, plumbing companies I've seen, where there was a woman in a leadership role and they were making a conscious effort to find women for their company. It was a small business, but this lady was like putting a lot of searches out on her on social media, on Facebook, and they were consciously trying to find female plumbers because they had just male plumbers and they were trying to make a shift from that. I'm sure they found somebody, but I believe that whoever they found would probably be treated very well and would be paid a premium because it's supply. It's, 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 it's a numbers thing. If, if they don't have enough women in a particular company and they are consciously trying to diversify, then they don't want to screw that up, I would imagine. I don't know if you've seen that or experienced that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've seen a lot of companies do that to advertise women because they really want more women in their roles. But sometimes women just don't get past the recruitment process, not because anyone intentionally means to do it, but something circulating backgrounds where I said before about unconscious bias. And that's when you go, you look through a resume and even if you don't know the name or who the gender of the person applying, just unconsciously there'll be things that you select out and remove that person from the option pool, which if you're tailored to one way of thinking and looking at job applicants, that can mean a whole gender or, or a whole cultural background that you're removing from that opportunity pool. So, yeah, it's really important to have a recruitment team that, that don't using unconscious or conscious bias when choosing resumes. That's true. And I, I always feel like if somebody brings your resume in, you made mention earlier that, you know, one of the barriers is that mates are bringing in mates like men, guys are bringing their, their friends in. It does make it harder because if, they're not thinking of a woman that they know to bring in. They're bringing their buddies in and the workplace is going to be reflective of, their, of who they know. So I, I think that also makes a difference. Can you um, share your social context? I know you have a podcast. Can you share that? Because we definitely want to promote that and let people know about it. If you go to our website, www.tradesmanaustralia.com.au, 
we've got all our podcasts up there, but you can also download it on iTunes or whichever device you use. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram account, so give us a follow. At the moment, we're running fortnightly online seminars, so we've got one in Australia tomorrow at Australian Eastern Standard Time, 5.30, and that's about workplace productivity. So we're talking to two major businesses in Australia, one in residential construction and one in uh, commercial construction. We're talking about the changes and the impact of COVID at the moment. So... We've been running those seminars just through our volunteers, but we find it so important to just keep communicating with everyone right now and to share what's happening out there on the work sites with everyone else so you can really understand what the tradespeople are going through because often we can forget what we're all doing and what each of us are doing at work. And I feel so lucky I get to work from home at the moment. Um, yes. But there's certain people who are outside still slogging it in the rain, hail or sunshine. So, you know. We've got to make sure that we stay in touch with those people who are out and about. Definitely. And speaking of speaking of weather, I know Australia's weather is the opposite of the United States. So, are you guys going into winter now? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's getting very, very cold. I live in the south part of Australia, so it's freezing. We actually had our first state's hurricane ever just wow. just a couple of days ago. We see the wildest of weather and one day it can be warm, sunny 25, the next day it can be 12 degrees and freezing. So, Wow. Wow. (laughs) Australia seems like a beautiful place. I've never been. It's on my bucket list. Um, I know a lot of people would love to go. It's just beautiful from everything we've heard. So uh, it's definitely on my bucket list. (laughs) Share with us. We'd like to end with a few rapid questions. I'm going to ask you a few questions and just whatever answer comes to mind, fire away. What podcast do you listen to? I I always change, but the last couple of weeks I've been listening to a podcast called Take On Board, and it's about becoming a really good leader and sitting on boards and being a great director. That's good stuff. So that's been really interesting. Self-improvement. Very good. Favorite artist or music that you like to listen to? This is a bit of a mix. Been listening to a lot of the band called Ocean Alley lately, but I always rely on my red hot chili peppers to juice uh, me up during the day. 90s. Good stuff. I like that. Yep, that's good. Book that you read that impacted you. The book I've been reading lately is called Remarkability by Lorraine Murphy. And it's just all about running a business. So again, on that self-improvement side of things, but it's been really interesting and rewarding. Excellent. And one thing on your bucket list. I really want to swim with sharks one day. Wow. Okay. You're in the right <laughs> place. I know there are sharks out there. <laughs> and two other questions. One thing you can't live without. Oh, that's hard. Probably right now it would be coffee. <laughs> Makes sense. I understand. And finally, a quote or a mantra you live by. Oh, yeah, that's a tricky one. I guess um, there's a quote by John Lennon, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And I think that's so true that we get so caught up in everyday life that we always forget about what's really happening in the world. Great. I agree with you. Um, You know, and this recent crisis has definitely probably made a lot of us realize that 
So Fiona, thank you so much for being on the show. And if there's anything I can do to help you with the work you're doing, I believe strongly in what you're doing. I'm a firm supporter in it. And if I can do anything to help you, please don't hesitate to contact me. Thanks so much, Keith. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.